Hi, I'm Ben Pilgreen, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the bay or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey. Before I tell you the title of my message today, I really need you to know that I wrote this message long before the coronavirus had taken over our church, our city, our nation, and our world. And I tell you that not so that you'll think a lot of me and my preparation skills by any means. I simply do uh, ahead of time so that I can keep the pressure off of myself. But the reason I'm telling you this is because I was completely unaware of this moment that we would be standing in today but I have so much solace and so much comfort and confidence and peace that God knew exactly the moment that you and I would be in, the moment we would be in as families and as a church and as a city and really as a world that he wasn't unaware. So when he was directing me to the content that I'm going to share with you today, he knew exactly what we were going to be going through. The title of my message today, it's just one word. I'm not a big fan of one-word titles, but when I thought about this, the, the, the only word I could think to call this message is this word, calm. Don't you feel better? Calm. And I'm not talking about the app that many of you have on your phone, though I imagine your Calm app really helps you a lot. It was voted app of the year in 2017. It was also recognized as one of the happiest apps you could possibly have. And when I'm talking about calm, I'm not even yet getting to God's definition of calm. I just want you to know what we're talking about from the Cambridge Dictionary. Here's the definition of calm. Calm. Peaceful, quiet, or relaxed. Without hurried movement, anxiety, or noise. Peaceful, quiet, relaxed, without hurried movement, anxiety, or noise. I know that this likely captures the exact opposite of what so many of us are experiencing at this moment in our lives, but I, I want to give you some hope. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get there automatically today, but let me say this to you. If we can be calm in this season, then we likely can be calm in any season. And you may be saying, Ben, that is a huge ask to to give today. But I just want you to know, if we can figure out something that would calm our hearts and our minds in this season, then wouldn't you have confidence as we move forward into the future that no matter what comes your way, no matter what next global crisis, no matter uncertainty about your career or where you might live or things that are going to happen with your family members, Wouldn't you be willing to believe that if we can find calm in this moment in our lives, surely we could have confidence to have calm at future moments in our lives as well. Can you even imagine this becoming your go-to answer when someone asks how you're doing? People come up to you and they're like, hey, tell me how you're doing. And you're like, I'm calm. 
I know that's a far-fetched idea right now, but what if we could become the kind of people who would, when asked, what's going on in your life, just be like, I'm unusually calm. There's a lot going on out in the world. There's a lot going on at my job. There's a lot happening in my relationships. There's even a lot going on in our church, and yet I'm really, really calm. And, and they might say to you, why are you calm? Do you know the future? You're like, nope. Why are you calm? Is everything going up and to the right? You're like, nope. I just have something going on inside of me that's keeping me calm. If we're honest, our go-to words, are, when we're asked, how are we doing, our go-to phrases, rather, they're, I'm busy or I'm overwhelmed, or right now your go-to phrase might be, I'm, I'm really fearful, I'm anxious, but I want to cast a vision for us today. What if our go-to word, because it would be the truth about our lives, would be, you know what, I'm really, really calm. This is a personal message to me, and I want you to know why. I have a mind that doesn't stop running. Can you relate? I, 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 at times in my marriage to Shauna, I've been frustrated um, she's always been able to go to sleep right away. And so when our heads hit the pillows, her sleep happens right away. And for me, I am usually awake for lots of minutes, if not hours, because my mind just keeps spinning. And so I, I want to know what it would be like. What could it be like for God to give me a calm mind? But not only is my mind constantly running, my, my heart knows what it's like to, to gravitate towards anxiety about Anything, everything, or let's be honest, nothing at all. So this is a message that I need personally. So much of my life, like your life, it's about trying to figure things out. Anybody know what I mean? You're just, you're just trying to constantly figure things out. And in my role as a dad and husband at home, I'm constantly trying to figure things out. Like, um, what are we supposed to do with these teenagers? If you've got an answer, let me know. Um, now they're going to school at home. Now I feel like I'm part principal, part teacher, part tutor, part disciplinarian. What do we do with that? How, how do we keep them occupied during this season that's a very unique season that we're all in? So I'm constantly figuring things out. How should we be spending our money? Uh, how much can we go out and do? How much should we be involved in helping our neighbors? So I'm always just trying to figure things out at home. And then when I think about my job here at Epic, it's the same thing, but maybe times 10 or 100. We're just trying to figure stuff out. Our staff team, we're always trying to figure things out. And in this season, we're asking, what all is going to have to be canceled? How long will it be before we can gather together in a public space as a church? This is a big deal to us. Now, we're thinking about how do we reassign certain staff roles because what this person was doing, that operation is offline for the time being. And so I'm always just trying to figure things out. We're trying to ask what do our partners need locally and globally? How can we support them during this time? And probably no matter what your relational world looks like, no matter what your vocational world looks like, no matter how this epidemic is affecting you, what I know is you're like me. You're trying to figure stuff out. And I spend so much of my life trying to figure it all out that if we think we have to figure it all out, it could be true that the calm that we're after stays elusive. I'm going to ask you this question, and remember, I wrote these notes before we found ourselves in the place that we have now found ourselves in today. Here's the question, and don't laugh at me, because I'll hear you even through your screen. If you laugh at me when I ask this question, I'm going to know about it, and I'm going to put you on the bad list at Epic Church. Here's the question. Is it possible to live in San Francisco in 2020 
with a calm mind and a calm heart? Is it possible? Does the possibility even exist to live in this place at this time with a calm mind and a calm heart? I believe that it is possible, but I don't believe it's a given. I believe it's much easier to ask today, hey, anybody feel like their mind is just filled with chaos? Anyone have a heart that is just drawn towards anxiety? But I wonder, could our world, though it is raging like crazy in some ways, could we live in it and still maintain this calm sense of well-being? I think about the ocean. In the middle of a storm, you've got an ocean just raging on the top. Things are going crazy. And yet, if you could see down into the bottom of the ocean, it looks perfectly calm, peaceful, still. Is it possible that the God we claim to believe in, is it possible that the God who can do something in us that doesn't correlate perfectly with what's going on in our circumstances, could he make you and I like the ocean? And while our world is raging up here and it's seemingly out of control, underneath it all, there's this sense of calm and peace and stillness. I think about Psalm 46.10 that God's bringing to my mind right now. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Pause. Don't look at everything that's happening out there. And there's plenty to look out. Wouldn't you agree out there? Anybody refresh their phone every six seconds? in regular life, but every two seconds during COVID-19. And there's good reason to be informed, but what we're doing is allowing that not just to get our attention, but we're allowing it to get and capture our minds and our hearts. And we're pretending, at least I am sometimes, as though COVID-19 is the only reality that's actually governing the world. And I have to remember, no, there's a deeper truth going on. There's something more foundational than even this disease that is plaguing our world right now. But here's the question I have, and you might have. You're like, Ben, what does calm have to do being taught in a series that's called, Can I Have Your Attention? I'm so glad that you asked. Here's what it has to do with it. I'll, I'll put this up for you to see. But if the word calm is ever going to characterize our hearts, and minds, it will have something to do with what we give our attention to and what we refuse to give our attention to. If, if calm is in your future, if it's going to be your go-to phrase, if it's going to be your reality, regardless of what you and I will find ourselves in the middle of, it's going to come down to what am I giving my attention to and what am I refusing to give my attention to. And when I say that, I don't mean that we shouldn't be aware of the news. We should be. Uh, when I say that, I don't mean that we shouldn't even be nervous or concerned at times. There are things to be concerned about and even to be nervous about. I simply mean this. If all we concentrate on is the negative, if all we concentrate on are the what-ifs, calm will not come into our hearts and it certainly will not come into our minds. I want to give you a scripture that has helped me in this process. It's one that I've been thinking a lot about in my morning time, especially when my, not, when my mind goes noisy and out of control, I come back to this scripture, and it's just three verses that make up Psalm 131. In Psalm 131, I want you to get that out right where you are. Yes, we'll have it for you on this screen, but I want you to see it. I want you to mark it down. I want you to read it this week 
memorize it, meditate on it. It's literally three verses, but these three verses have changed my life because they've changed my mind and they've changed my heart and they've changed my ability to find calm. Let's, let's listen to what David says. Again, so many of the Psalms are from David and certainly that's true about this one. Here's what he says. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I love that. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, now he's speaking to the entire nation. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. He starts the psalm in a pretty interesting place. If we were to be asked by someone, hey, tell me this, what is standing in the way of your soul being calm? You know what none of us would say? Not a one of us watching right now would say, you know what's standing in the way of my soul being calm? It's really my pride. No one would say that. No one thinks there's any correlation, including myself, prior to the psalm. None of us think there's a correlation between pride in our lives and our soul's inability to find peace and to find calm. But that's exactly where David starts. He says this, My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. Here's the statement from me. There is no way for a prideful person to be at peace with God. There is no way for a prideful person to be at peace with God. Ben, why? Here's why a prideful person can't be at peace with God. We know from other scriptures that God opposes the proud. And the reason God opposes the proud is because the proud person sets themselves up as though they were God. And when you feel like you are a God or you're God-like in some fashion, you think you have to figure everything out. Because if you see yourself in this way, then you're convinced that it's up to you, that you made your wealth all by yourself, you got your intellect all by yourself, you've just learned how to navigate this world, and you can figure everything out. A prideful person will never be able to be at peace with God. In Mere Christianity, most of you know, like my favorite book out there, C.S. Lewis writes this about pride. He says, as long as you are proud... You cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. I I love that quote. As long as you're proud, you, you can't even know God because proud people have no space for God in their lives because you take up all the space because you think it's up to you, you're the reason that you're alive, you're the reason that you're doing well, and there's no space for God. And if you're always looking down on everyone else, you will never see the God who is above you. And so David begins this psalm, and he's like, I'm not going, he could have boasted, he could have talked about his conquests, he could have talked about his vast armies, he could have talked about the, 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 the people that he himself had killed and overthrown. He doesn't do that. He just says, God, my heart's not proud. My eyes are not haughty. And then he says, and it's such a powerful phrase, he says, I do not concern myself with great matters. Now, so that you understand clearly and that I understand clearly, he's not saying I'm not going after big initiatives in life. If you know David's story, my gosh. Perhaps the most famous king 
He's the one who's known for killing the giant Goliath. I mean, let's be honest, he occupied himself with things that were really great. But what he's saying is this, I am not trying to figure everything out. I'm not thinking that I'm in control. I'm not thinking that everything is up to me. And you see throughout the Psalms, he's just constantly pressing into God, going, God, I need you. God, be my refuge. I can't do this by myself. Where did you go? Come near to me. It's good for me to be in your house. It's good for me to be in your presence. He's, he's doing great things, but he's not looking to himself as the great God because he knows there's only one God, and he needs that God's support to be on his side, just like you and I do. That phrase, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Anybody besides me, I I know I can't see your hands, but anyone besides me just always trying to figure it out? You're just like, if I just think about it, here's how the finances will work out. If I just can think about it, here's how I can update my resume. If I can just figure this out, I, I know how to lead my family or my company or within my church. And there are things you do know. Hopefully there's a few things that I know, but there are certain things that that I'm trying to figure out that maybe God doesn't want me to figure out. See if you relate to this quote from Ruth Haley Barton. She says, the truth about me is that I seem to always, always in italics, always be occupying myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Things too complicated and weighty for the human mind to comprehend or figure out. Do you sense that at all? You're literally, you're trying to make, how do the finances work? How does this parenting thing work? And we need to be learners. God's really clear on that. But I think at Epic, we always talk about there's a part for us to play and there's a part for God to play. And yes, figure out the things that God wants you to figure out. But I and so many of you, we keep going into God's box and go, I'll figure this out too. I'll make sure I figure that out. Um, and, and we're in this situation right now that let's be honest, I hope you're smart. I hope you're part of the solution, but none of us can quite figure out. Would you agree? And I'm wondering if it's this moment in history, if it's this moment in your own history where you've, to be honest, you just have had a whole lot of pride and God is humbling you in this season. And I know it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to me either. We had huge plans for our church in this season. Maybe he's humbling us at this moment so that we will become aware that we aren't God and we don't have to be, but there is a God who is there. There's a God who loves us. And he's not saying sometimes... I just take the pressure on in my life, and I think God really is waiting for me to figure it all out. He's going, Ben, surrender that. That's not yours. That's mine. And maybe in your life right now, you're trying to figure something out, and God's going, hey, get back to your box. Let me play in my box. This is mine. Let me take care of this. I believe God's speaking to somebody right now, and he's just saying, hey, this isn't for you. And he's not, he's not asking you to figure out how you're going to get back to work or how the company's going to still stay afloat after this crisis is over. He's asking you, and I know it's not easy, he's asking you, will you trust me at this moment? Will you leave that in my camp? Will you leave that in my category? Will you leave that in my hands? And sometimes, you guys, hour by hour, we've got to keep surrendering because we take it back into our hands, and then we go, okay, God, you can have it back. One commentator said this, Instead of trying to understand things that are outside his understanding, the psalmist, David, continues to trust Yahweh. That's God. He lets the matters that trouble him remain mysterious and unresolved. Anyone besides me, you're the why person or the how person? 
It's like, God, why are you doing this? And then really, like, how's this going to work out? How will we, we recover from this moment, this crazy, unique moment? And I love this commentator. He's going, he's going, David's not trying to figure that out. He doesn't know what's ahead. He's just like, I'm not going to concern myself with things too wonderful for me. Here's how I want to say it to you. God doesn't actually want us to be able to figure everything out on our own. My mind is just being blown, even though I've written this down a long time ago. What? God actually, he actually doesn't want you to figure everything out on your own. Because you know what would happen if you and I figured everything out on our own? If it's impossible to please God without faith, and we have the ability to figure out everything on our own, guess what has to go away? Faith, which means the ability for us to please God. Think about Adam and Eve. God gave them lots of insight and much understanding, but he also gave them limits, and he's given limits to us as well. Here's a question I want you to answer. What am I trying to figure out that would remove my need to trust God? Every one of us probably have lots of answers. Here it is again. What am I trying to figure out that would remove my need to trust God? Something with your kids, something with your job, something about your wedding date, something with your ex, something with your college situation, something with how to educate your kids in this moment, something with, what is it, what is it that you and I are trying to figure out, but figuring it out would remove our need to trust God? Would you hear his invitation today? Trust me with that. I'm not going to figure it out for you just yet, but trust me with it. Will you trust me? Another couple of verses that have been instrumental to me a long time ago, but really recently, I've been going back to them over and over and over again. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 that say this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I know it's hard. I know you want answers that you don't have just yet. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and then lean not on your own understanding. Remember, our box and God's box, I'm, I'm going I'm to lean away from my own understanding. I can't figure it all out, but I'm going to lean into the good arms of God. I'm going to lean into the loving hand of God. I'm going to lean away from trying to think I've got to do it, because if I'm leaning into my own understanding only, then I can't trust God with all my heart because then I trust me or I trust my circumstances or I trust the stock market or I trust this crisis that we're in the middle of today. And I can't, I can't do that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And the psalmist says, instead of concerning himself with all of the things that are out of his reach, anybody have some things out of your reach today? Again, I think at this moment in time, God is humbling us, but I think he's also giving us a massive gift potentially. You see, so many of the things that I'm prone to trust and you're prone to trust and you're prone to trust, so many of those things are being taken from you. And I know it feels unsettling. I know it causes you and I to be fearful. But what if God is wanting to remove those things out of our grip so that he's the only one that we can hold on to? 
What if in this crisis, God is trying to build a faith in you that will carry you for the rest of your days on this earth and into eternity? And maybe he knows that as long as you have these other things that you can trust in, your wealth, your job security, whatever the case may be, what if he knows that he's got to relinquish your grip on those things so that you might have a grip on what actually matters and will hold up in the end? And the psalmist just says, okay, I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be like a weaned child. I love that. He's like, I'm not insisting on circumstances going my way. My contentment and well-being is not dependent upon the external. Like a weaned child, he has matured to the point that he's willing to wait on God's answer, in God's way, and in God's time. If there's anything we don't want to do any more of in this season, it's wait. I wish I had better news for you. Will you... The, all of you, will I, will we wait on God's answer in God's way at God's time? Waiting is not passive, right? We're not just waiting till it is over and then we just jump back into life. We are praying in the waiting. We're recognizing God's present in the waiting and we're willing to wait until God responds. Psalmist says, I've calmed and quieted myself. Now, If you look at this and you just read that phrase, he says, I've calmed and quieted myself, you might think that what he means is he is the source of his own calm. And you're thinking, Ben, how could I be like David? How could I learn how to calm myself? Well, you've got to keep reading all the way through the end of this chapter to know that David isn't the source of his own calm. Look at what he says in verse 3 as he urges the rest of the nation of Israel. He says, Israel... Put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. He's saying, Israel, do what I've done. Put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. If you want calm, put your hope in the Lord. Don't put your hope in what you can figure out. Don't put your hope in these massive things that you can accomplish. You can become like this weaned child that's content, but only if you anchor your hope to the God who is faithful and is worthy of your hope and of your faith, and of your confidence, and of your trust. In The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, great book by John Mark Comer, quoting it a lot in this series, here's what he says. When we get over busy and life is hectic, and people are vying for our time, the quiet place is the first thing to go rather than our first go-to. The first thing we lose is unhurried time to just sit with God in the quiet, to pray, read a psalm, take an internal inventory, let our souls catch up to our bodies. I know what you're thinking, Ben, I've got nothing but quiet time on my hands. Ben, I'm not doing a whole lot of work. Ben, I'm not going anywhere. Ben, I'm not even going to church or to my kids' school. And I'm sure that all of us have more downtime than we've had in a long time. But you know what isn't correlated? Your schedule isn't correlated to your heart. By that I mean this. You can be only in your home, having no outside voices, and you can have the exact opposite of a calm heart and a calm mind. If you're just refreshing your newsfeed, if you're just playing mindless games, not saying you should do any of that, but if that's all you're doing, if all you're doing is, is thinking about the worst possibilities, you will not have calm, you will not have peace, you will not have the stillness of soul that God wants you to have. But in these days, I believe most of us have been afforded a very rare opportunity to begin to put spiritual practices into play so that when life goes back to normalcy, 
We will have those rhythms. Establish them now because they will serve you well because eventually life is at least going to get back to some kind of normal. And when it does, what if in these moments, in these days, in these weeks, what if you and I establish practices now that will allow us to experience the calm when we go back and we're longing to go back to this quiet period of time. We're longing to get back to the solitude because things are out of control. Let me tell you how it's worked in my own, in my own life. Sean and I have just tried to start our days in the quiet. And I've got to be honest with you now, I'm not doing this perfectly in this season because I'm waking up to text messages from friends who are connected to people, whether it's at the White House or, or, or others in authority, and, and they're kind of giving me a heads up of what's coming. And that's hard, but at some point in time, I've had to just still set my phone down, light a candle, have a cup of coffee, and just going, God, there's a lot being asked of all of us in this season, but would you bring us peace? Would you calm our hearts? Would you still our fears? Would you remind us that we still have access to you? And as long as you're in here doing something internally in my heart and in my mind, the world can be chaos out there, and I can still live with this deep sense of peace. I want to encourage you to meditate and memorize and pray through the scriptures that we share today. Just really five verses, Psalm 131, 1 through 3, and Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. And I, I love that verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And I want to urge you towards that, but let's be honest. Some of you have never trusted in the Lord with any of your heart. For some of you, you've never given Jesus your life, and I want to make sure week in and week out that you have an opportunity to do that if you've never done that before. Maybe in this season, God has taken away your grip on all of the things you thought you could trust in, all of the things you thought you could control, and maybe what he wants to do in your life at this moment in your life and in history, he is trying to get your attention. And what if today, what if today's the day you go, Okay, I'm not gripping any of the things I thought I would have a hold on forever, or at least they've lost the tight grip I used to have on them. And maybe today you would just say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. What he wants you to do is understand that he gave his life to you on the cross for your sins before he ever asked you to give your life to him. So why not today begin this journey of trusting in the Lord Jesus with all your heart. If you want to begin that journey today, I want to encourage you to do this. Just text the word BEGIN, B-E-G-I-N, to the number 313131. We're going to respond to you as you let us know about that. And so if you're not a Christian, why not become one today? Just say, Jesus, I want to begin trusting you with all of my heart. Thank you for dying for me, for rising from the dead. I put my trust in you. And for the rest of us, I know I'm asking something of you that seems impossible. I know if there's ever a time that you can't even imagine being calm, it would be today. But what if in the middle of this chaos, what if in the middle of this confusion, what if in the middle of being overwhelmed in this moment, what if this is exactly the point in time where you are going to experience the calm and stillness and the peace that God longs to give you? It's not only possible I believe in Christ, he's promised to give us that peace. So I want to pray for you. So glad that you guys are joining in. You can go back and watch past messages. We'll make sure to keep delivering content to you each week. But for today, let me pray for you. God, thank you so much that when 
the world is just raging, when we seemingly have so much to be afraid of, God, when our circumstances aren't exactly what we wish they were, you can still bring peace. You can still bring calm. You can still bring stillness. And so, may we humble ourselves. God, may we surrender. As we're losing out on the things we're prone to trust, God, could we, could we get this deep trust in you, a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever? God, I pray this would be a unique season where more people come to faith in you, Jesus, than have in a really long time. Jesus, where, where, where we as the church, we develop rhythms and practices in this season so that when life goes back to whatever normal might look like, we have these practices so that when things are crazy at work, crazy at home, and crazy in our world, we have this steady sense of well-being in our hearts and in our minds because of who you are and because you dwell in us. God, help us to go forward with a calm, quiet soul, fully at peace, regardless of our circumstances. We ask all of this in your strong name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the Epic SF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco. 